Welcome to the Crystal Payne Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Today, we have a riveting topic to talk about, failure, which sounds <laughs> so fun, doesn't it? Actually, I think it's a really important topic, and I think probably just about every single person listening can resonate. Resignate? <sighs> That's not even a word. That, that was failure. Failure. Okay. Uh, that was a that fail. Was a fail. Word okay. fail. Resonate in some way with this topic because we've all failed at something in life. And many of us, many of you are probably like me in that you failed at a lot of things and, or you feel like you failed at a lot of things. So we're going to talk about this question that Stephanie sent in about how do you get up and do the next thing after a big fail? But before we have that conversation, which I'm excited to dive into. Let's talk about what's saving our life. Jesse, this is the time of the show where we talk about something that's making our life better, easier, or more enjoyable. What do you have for us today? Well, honestly, I was. we had thought about this yesterday, and I, I had come up with something. And It was I, a really good idea. It was a really good idea, and I strategically asked you what it was that I was going to, because you asked me, what are you going to talk about? Well- I asked you because you would remember because you remember everything because I forgot and I didn't want to tell you that I forgot, <laughs> but you forgot as well. So we came up I'm with something pregnant. New. I'm pregnant. My I, brain cells are being sucked into creating a new life and I am forgetting things right and left. So we don't know what your brilliant idea was nope, for yesterday nope. or maybe we're just getting old. Yeah. We're, yeah. But you have another one. The other one is my Under Armour hoodies that I have got two that I routinely wear all the time. And we came up with the idea because you're wearing because it Because right I'm wearing now. it right now. Yeah. Yes. And one of them is a little bit thicker and it is extremely warm. I can go and wear that just that, not a coat over it. Just that? When, yeah. <laughs> Whenever it's really cold out because it's so thick. And then I've got another one that's a little bit more lighter weight. So. And you've had these for, I don't even know how long. A long time. Yes. Back in Wichita? When we used to live back in Wichita, we have a picture where we all have on our Under Armour hoodies, yeah. and I think you're wearing one of those. So that was probably these are the only two seven, I ever got. Yeah. Seven years ago, at least. Yeah, I got a lot of use of them, and they look as good as new. So we found that the best deals on Under Armour are typically on Zulily. So we'll put a link to Zulily in the show notes. They are kind of a flash sale site and they only occasionally have Under Armour deals, but that's where we've gotten some of the kids' hoodies and our hoodies. Mm -hmm. But you can also get them on Amazon and other places, probably right. from underarmor.com. But <laughs> yep. we typically try to find a sale somewhere. My thing that I'm bringing this week is also something that I've had for a very long time, maybe not seven years, although pretty close to seven years at Probably least. Probably about the same time period that we got the underarm hoodies. Is my treadmill, or I mean, it's become my treadmill because it was your treadmill. Sometimes other people use it, but this treadmill, it is. I think it's Soul. 
is how you pronounce it, S-O-L-E, F-80. It's the Soul F-80. I don't even know if they sell it anymore. They do. I looked they it up, and I had originally bought it from Dick's. So. Okay. And I have gotten so much use from this treadmill. And I know a lot of people are like, you should be outside. You should walk outside. You should run outside. Well, I don't like to run outside or walk outside if it's really cold or really hot. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe I'm just a wuss. doesn't leave any time in between very much. (laughs) If it's a really perfect temperature and not too much sun and not too much cloud, then (laughs) I will walk outside. But so typically I am using the treadmill four to five, even six times a week. Mm -hmm. And so the one that we have is a more expensive one. It was an investment. But if you think about how much money we would spend if I had a gym membership for close to seven years, and I mean, I guess it doesn't matter how many times a month you use it. I was going to say, and you used it five to six times a month. I guess some gyms you do pay for how often you go, but those are not gyms that you go walk on a treadmill. Anyway, so we have used this so much. The kids enjoy it as well, although we do have to be careful when they have friends over. They're Mm -hmm. not allowed to turn it up to the fastest speed because a child has gotten hurt on it before. And also, if you have little kids, it becomes very complicated if you're trying to get out and get a walk-in. You either have to get them all ready and bundle them up and make sure it's not nap time and you know work around their schedule and all of that. When you have a treadmill, you can just go to the treadmill and you don't have to get kids bundled up or work around their nap time or anything. You can just hop on the treadmill at any time. Another reason why I love the treadmill is that... <laughs> By using it, I can multitask. You see, when I'm on the treadmill in the morning, I've mentioned this before, but I actually read my Bible, read a devotional book or two, and usually read parts of another book, whatever book that I'm reading, and pray over my day. Whatever's going on that day, I just pray for it. And so not only am I moving my body, but I'm filling up my soul. And I don't think this would be real feasible if I was out walking on the road to bring my books and all that. (laughs) Oh yeah, that would be a little dangerous and also a little um, conspicuous and clunky to try to carry around all of that. So it works out really great on the treadmill because I can just pick up a book and put the other one on the floor and keep going and So if you're in the market for a great treadmill and someone is wanting to spend a whole lot of money on you because this is not an inexpensive purchase, the Soul F80 treadmill is one that I have loved and it has been such a great investment. But if you're not completely sure that you're going to use it as much as I have, start with something smaller. You can get an inexpensive treadmill off of Craigslist, especially a few months into the year when everyone is kind of done with our New Year's resolutions and it's just sitting there becoming a clothes rack and sometimes they'll sell it for really inexpensive. So start with something less expensive before you make a huge investment and make sure that it's going to actually be something you're going to use for over six years, four to five or six times every week. My book that I wanted to talk about today is one that was actually sent to me. I had never heard of the author before, which probably shows that I live in a hole because I think most people have probably heard of her. I don't even know how you pronounce her name. Jesse, what do you think? How would you pronounce this? Darabian. 
Melissa Darabian. She married a French man, so it is a French last name. So we're probably butchering it. But the name of the book is... No pun intended. Why would that be pun intended? Chef, butcher. I don't know. That's a pretty far-fetched pun. But anyway, Tasting Grace is the name of the book, and it's discovering the power of food to connect us to God, one another, and ourselves. And she was actually the winner of the next Food Network star, season five. And then she got her own TV show called $10 Dinners on Food Network. And so I was excited because obviously someone who is doing a show on $10 Dinners probably is kind of into being budget conscious. And her story really was just beautiful. She talks about a lot of different aspects of food and the table and comes at it from very different angles than just, you know, oh, a table brings us together or something. But she talks about how food impacted her in both a negative and a positive way and just a lot of deep thoughts around the power of food and how it connects us to God, one another, and ourselves. And I just wanted to read this one quote that I loved that really had nothing to do with food, but it was part of her story about stepping out and doing something that was really brave and really scared her. And um, it is from page 65. She said, if you feel as though God is calling you to do something, you don't have to be good at it before you obey. No one is ever good at the beginning, and even seasoned pros sometimes feel inadequate. And it's really cool to see her journey and see how God led her and prepared her and how she kind of wanted the stardom way earlier in her life, and she pursued that. And then when she kind of set that all aside and just focused on living her real life right in front of her and leaning into that, and then it ended up that she ends up on Food Network and then gets this TV show. And she talks about how much she learned during that season where she kind of gave up her dream and how much that built the backbone for her to be able to go into having her own TV show and being a much more mature person who was able to really savor the experience and it not be something that actually was really detrimental to her. And so I just love, you know, if you feel as though God is calling you to do something, you don't have to be good at it before you obey. And she talks about how when she learned how to cook, she just started in and she just challenged herself to grow and become better and improve and experiment and how she had no idea that all that experimentation was going to someday land her a TV show. But she just committed to continue on and to practice and to practice and to really love the art of cooking and ultimately feeding others and just how it's this artistry. And so it honestly made me just want to get in the kitchen and cook, which Jesse, I'm sure you're not going to be disappointed about that. (laughs) And so again, that was Tasting Grace, Discovering the Power of Food to Connect Us to God, One Another, and ourselves by Melissa de Arabian or Arabian or D Arabian or de Arabian. 
Okay, you looked it up. I looked it up. Of course. In his Enneagram fiveness, I saw him over on his phone. He was doing research because he doesn't want there to be some dangling, unidentified piece of knowledge that when you could just research, where I would just probably for years just guess at what the last name is, you're going to immediately do the research so that you can get it accurate. I love that about you. All right. So our question today comes from Stephanie and she says, how do you get up and do the next thing after a big fail? And we were talking about this before we started recording. And I asked you, Jesse, you know, what would you consider to be some of your failures? Well, definitely job-related changes can definitely be thought of as failures, whether it be a job loss or job change in my life, especially when you tend to identify yourself with your work. Mm -hmm. Your identity is what you do or it's in what you do. As in, I'm an attorney. Right. That's who I am. And that defines me. Mm-hmm. And that's the mask that I choose to wear and choose to project my identity as that. Well, if there's a job change and or some other job-related situation, whether it be not making somebody happy or that I could think of as a failure, it would make me feel as a failure then. I have to go back to you said the mask that you wore, do you do you feel like that's an accurate statement or would you say it's more of a label that defined you? Well, I would I would say that the mask is how you're projecting. Okay. What you want to project other people to see you as. Okay. So it wasn't It's necessarily- not necessarily hiding something. Okay. It's more so the projection. But it would you say that, you know, being an attorney you were being your true self. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like if you're wearing a mask, you're not being your true self. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it maybe wasn't a, as good a word picture, but the way that I was using it, it's, is there a false way that you were trying to project your identity to somebody else? I was just digging into that because yeah. I thought it was an interesting choice of words. And I think that some people absolutely do use their career, their job, their position. It is a mask that they hide behind Mm -hmm. instead of being their true self. And they use it to hide their insecurity Mm -hmm. and their flaws and all of that. Okay, so you were feeling like your identity is in your work. And 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 so basically... If you have a situation that you would consider a failure, you feel a failure yourself. And so I think one of the first ways to get out from under that is to change your thought process and realize, well, this might have been a failure, even if you want to call it a failure, but it doesn't define me. It doesn't mean that I am a failure. And how do you do that for people who maybe have lived all their lives believing that they're a failure because from the time they were little, pressures were put on them by parents or peers or coaches or teachers kind of making them feel like they were not living up to the standard that they were supposed to be. 
And so they kind of took that on of, this is my identity. Instead of it being their work, their identity was, I'm not good enough. I am a failure as a person. I'm a disappointment to other people. Well, I think you need to realize that your identity and your value and your worth is a lot deeper than what you do. Whether it's you're meeting the expectations of other people, or if it's what you're not doing, whether you're not meeting those expectations, what you do does not affect the value of who you are. So for someone who's listening, who they feel like, well, I've just always felt like I'm failing. And I talk to so many women who that's the case. They feel like they're not doing a good enough job as a homemaker, as a wife, Mm -hmm. as a mom, as a friend, as a business owner or volunteer or whatever hats they wear. They go to bed at night feeling like they just haven't done enough. And I would assume that men can probably feel that as well. Maybe it's in a little bit of different sense. Maybe it's not like the guilt. Oh, I would think that it's the same. Is it? So you feel like men also are struggling. They struggle with a lot of guilt. Yeah. Like maybe they're not doing a good enough job. That they're not. Taking care of their family or. Or at work. At work. That they're not rising to the occasion. People just need to learn to cut themselves some slack and mm-hmm. realize I'm not going to be perfect in what I'm doing. I'm going to make mistakes. The key is, is to not define yourself by those mistakes. I was just doing a coaching call with someone this week, and she was talking about how much she lives under this feeling of not enough and how as a blogger, she's just never doing enough. There's always so much more. And I told her how we have such a tendency to focus on what we're doing wrong mm-hmm. instead of what we're doing right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in my mastermind that we do every single week is we share our wins. And the reason that I do that is because I feel like oftentimes we don't take time to stop and really celebrate the progress that we've made. Mm-hmm. And it will just constantly look at, oh, I have so much more that I need to do, so much further I need to go, so many areas where I just have, I'm just falling short or failing. Mm -hmm. But when we stop and we take time to say, look at the last week, look at what we accomplished. Let's celebrate. There is something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I was just encouraging her how well she was doing. And I said, you need to stop and celebrate this Mm -hmm. because look how far you've come. And I think so sometimes for me, it's changing my perspective. Definitely. And when I fail at something to remind myself that doesn't make me a failure as a person Mm -hmm. and everyone fails and I don't even like to call it failure necessarily because I feel like that's so derogatory, but maybe it's more like I learned a valuable lesson. Because I look back and I see so many times when I made mistakes, when I made the wrong decision, when I chose something that ended up not panning out to work well at all, Mm -hmm. I learned how not to do something. Exactly. And so for me to stop, instead of just kind of wallowing in, I've just failed. For me to stop and say, okay, wait. This is a lesson that I can learn so that I can do better next time. Mm -hmm. 
what can I take from this that's going to help me be stronger, that's going to help me walk through this in a more mature manner, that's going to help me approach this with a lot more clarity and confidence next time. What can I learn from this? And I do this all the time. Maybe if I get up and speak in front of a group of people and I just feel like that kind of fell flat. Instead of just being like, maybe I just shouldn't speak anymore because clearly I just didn't have it. Say, what was it? And I know recently there was a speaking event that I was feeling kind of pressured for time and it was feeling like, They hadn't given me because of when it started. I didn't have as much time as I thought I was going to have. So I felt like I had so much material to get through. And when I got done, I was like, that just didn't feel like it landed where I wanted it to land. And I realized, you know what? I was so focused on getting through the material that I didn't take time to stop and really interact with the audience. And when I stop and interact with the audience on the topic of blogging, so it was more of a workshop type of thing when that it would lend itself to that that is when people in the audience come alive. That's when they learn the most. And that's when I feel like I bring my best self as a speaker. And so taking that, it was a tiny takeaway on the one hand, but yet it has been my reminder for all the speaking that I've done since then to think of first off, remember to interact with the audience, like make that your Mm -hmm. primary goal. And so I feel like every time, you know, just doing a little bit better and analyzing what worked, what didn't work and getting better, that's how we improve. And so instead of seeing it as a failure, see it as Mm -hmm. a lesson and a learning opportunity so that I can go and improve and do better next time. Right. Well, when you go back to the, the question, read the question again. How do you get up and do the next thing after a big fail? Okay. The whole concept of failing means you took action to get to a certain spot Mm. that didn't meet your expectations. So you just need to keep moving forward. Don't let it take you down. It's a sign that you took action. Just keep taking action. Don't let that define what you're going to be doing. I mean, people can fail, and then they stop taking action. Mm. And that's where failure really is. Mm -hmm. It's when you stop moving forward, when you say, okay, that's it, I'm done. You throw up your hands and you say, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to try again. And I think that also as you were saying that, I was thinking about a lot of times who, who defines that it's a failure? Exactly. Who defines that it's a big failure? She said, you know, how do you get up and do the next thing after a big fail? By whose standards? So often we're the ones that are setting almost these impossible, unreachable goals and idealistic visions of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do and how much we're supposed to accomplish. And then when we don't hit that, we feel like we failed. We feel Mm -hmm. like we're this big failure. We've failed in a big way. But what if you were to scale back a little bit? And, you know, step back and say, but look at the progress that I made. Mm -hmm. Look at the courage that I exhibited. Look at what I learned from this situation. I think that really changes your whole approach Mm -hmm. and your whole perspective. And it can turn what you might have once categorized as a big fail Mm -hmm. into one of life's greatest lessons that's going to set you on the trajectory for success. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, we love to hear from you. Your comments, your emails, your iTunes reviews, your constructive criticism, your feedback, we welcome all of it. If you have anything that you would like to say, just shoot an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. I also wanted to mention that because next week is Thanksgiving week, we're actually going to be out of town and in Kansas all week long. And so we are taking the week off from podcasting, but we will be back the following week. We'll be sitting down with our kids and doing a podcast all about our Christmas traditions and all things Christmas. And so you're not going to want to miss that one. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 